Smith. Thank you for choosing Tox News, your only source into sneetering snitches. Sneetches? I think it's called sneetches. And profound commentary, bitches. I just filed my taxes, so I'm a bit of a on one. Um, no real news today. Um, there is a focus a bit <laughs> on uh, Texas lifting mask mandates. Um, and a bunch of liberals coming out and talking about how they don't deserve the vaccine if they're willing to give up masks. And uh, I just want to say how inhumane that position would be. And if you don't like me saying that, come at me, bro. Um, but everybody should get vaccines uh, regardless of what their state decides to do. Anyways, finally, the beautiful Militia Watch is back. I love it's it's one of my favorites. So today on this beautiful Militia Watch Wednesday, we have further J6 updates such as Green's connections to Capital Stormers. Wonderful. More legal updates including the base attempting to set up a white ethno state in Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Michigan going buck again. Other updates like the revealing of a campaign photo of a sheriff posing with a Q fanatic. All good progress. Just kidding. So, oh wow, these uh J6 updates, we're going we're going in. Oh. Oh boy, strap in. This is a long one. All right. So, uh, bulletin one, beginning with last week, the total number of individuals charged in the U.S. Capitol storming hit 275, not including the former president. Oregon leads this number by raw count. Nice. A retired NYPD cop was arrested for his role in attacks on current police officers at the Capitol. And uh, the Militia Watch includes articles to all of this if you are interested in following up on any of these specific stories. But we're hitting bulletin by bulletin because the militias are much like the system. They never really sleep. So House Democrats pressed Facebook on their role as a breeding ground for polarization that caused the Capitol riot. Um, that's not really necessarily anything new. Um, Facebook groups has been used to organize militia gatherings and protests, so not a big surprise there. Uh, after much reporting tying Roger Stone and Alex Jones to J6, the FBI says they are now investigating the ties of the two to the Capitol rioters, which, uh, being well-informed as I am, Roger Stone has good connections with both the Proud Boys, the leader of the Proud Boys, Enrique Tarrio, and also with the Oath Keepers. And the Oath Keepers are a little bit more militarized than the Proud Boys. So now we have an ally of Representative Marjorie Taylor Greene took part in the Capitol riot. Anthony Aguero is a conservative streamer, mostly concerned with documenting right-wing political action at the U.S.-Mexico border. I'm going to have to check out that channel later. Um, he was mentioned in an older Militia Watch piece, and they included that link there this news means militia watch might need to further expand the georgia linkages piece so they have a pretty good article on all the militia movements going on in georgia called georgia on my mind um and it's a pretty good read 
go check it out. Uh, WSUSA9 put out a really whack story about J6 defendants who needed public defenders. Militia Watch firmly supports both human and civil rights, and to deride any defendant for needing taxpayer-funded legal rights is shameful. Yeah, uh, everybody has their constitutional rights, regardless of their insurrectionist behavior. Um, that's when, you know, we treat people who go to Guantanamo Bay as if they don't have any of the same rights that uh, citizens also pertain to, which isn't necessarily right. Um, it's, a, it's a lack of human value as well. So uh, both Proud Boys and Boogaloo adherents may be fearing a coming terror designation following J6. Um, Proud Boys already being designated a terrorist group up in the North Canada area, north from where I am. Maybe I'm south if you're in Canada. In part, this is likely to the DHS admitting in an admittedly vague report that included a not that confirmed. I feel like there's um, some spelling errors here. Reported report that included not that confirmed. Wow, what a not that confirmed that right-wing movements were responsible for most of 2020's deadly terror attacks. That was very hard to read. Report that included a not that confirmed. I don't know if they really meant to put the word not in there. That seems a little off. Um, it, I think it would be a report that included and confirmed that right-wing movements were responsible for most of 2020's deadly terror attacks. So, Jessica Watkins, an oath keeper facing conspiracy charges for her role in the storming of the U.S. Capitol this past week, claimed that she met with Secret Service ahead of the storming, which initially the Secret Service did not deny. Beautiful. Within a matter of days, she had changed her story and now claims that she didn't actually meet with the Secret Service. Cool. That's reliable back and forth. Watkins faces decades in jail and has said that she rightfully fears for her safety in prison as a trans woman. This is something she has petitioned the court over, in part due to her claim that after going on hunger strike to demand medical attention for her arm, the detention center kept her in her cell for four days. Not good. Um, yeah. What, you know, I'm not going to get into the whole human rights thing. We're not going to that that should just kind of be common sense in a new court filing a friend of watkins pleaded with the court saying quote for lack of a better term i believe my friend was brainwashed by those deeply entrenched in conspiratorial beliefs and that as has been a matter of record with her jess's feelings outpaced her brain my friend is an idiot and i have never been more angry or upset with her in my life but i do not believe that she wanted to become a terrorist that day unquote whether by Watkins about, again, I feel like there's some mess ups in here, but whether Watkins, I, I can't. Okay, so I'll just read it as is, even though I'm having a hard time discerning the sentence. Um, whether by Watkins about her safety dignity or by her friend about Watkins being an idiot, it is unclear how much of an impact these statements will have on the court proceedings. Yeah, Trump had much more intention than I'm sure a lot of people who went to the Capitol riot initially had um i i do sit on the side that a lot of people were there just to do a you know pretty routine protest but then once things really got out of hand and it escalated to the point of a bunch of people storming the capitol everyone 
in that area was like this is a historic momentous event i'm gonna go with them and they didn't even think of the the idea of it being considered an insurrection or slight coup until they got home and realized uh how the news was reporting them although proud boys oath keepers and other far-right groups who were there were probably a little bit more aware of their intentions and motivations legal updates so the leader of Ammon Bundy's People's Rights Chapter in Nevada was indicted last week on felony stalking and gun charges after he made threats against the life of a local police detective who is tasked with investigating domestic terror cases. Wonderful. Ammon Bundy and the Bundy family go back to like a standoff, I think like 2009. These guys have been like just back and forth with the federal government um, over land rights and the whole Second Amendment thing. So they're going to be pretty they're they're going to be reoccurring characters in militia watches updates for sure the leader joshua martinez was obsessed with this detective posting memes about the officer's death on his personal facebook which i feel like should be against facebook's guidelines so i hope they did something about that martinez's nevada people's rights group is estimated at about 415 people not a very large militia but a good amount of people Two individuals were charged for threatening election officials in Michigan over the 2020 election results. This involved threats left with three different officials announced in charges put forward by Michigan's district attorney this week. Included as evidence in the charges is a claim that a 5th of January voicemail said, quote, there would be violence if the presidential election results were not changed, unquote. One of those charged also said he had joined a state militia group due to his anger at the results. Yeah, I'm sure they got a lot of recruiting out of that. Um, the two charged include one man from Michigan and another from Georgia. And I, I had brought this up around the time that the J6 thing happened, is that although a lot of these people are connected through the internet and right-wing forums and blogospheres, there was a huge opportunity for a lot of uh, groups such as Three Percenters, Oath Keepers, Bikers for Trumps, Proud Boys, Patriot Prayer, you name it, to go out into that protest and recruit and even just network with each other. So, uh, cool. I'm glad the president was able to bring everybody together that is willing to overthrow our elected government. Anyways, several neo-Nazis arrested for involvement in the esoteric far-right movement called The Base said they wanted to build a fortified compound in Michigan's Upper Peninsula, which one of the defendants referred to as basically a white ethno-state. Yay! Because that's all we need is a bunch of neo-Nazis thinking that they have their own sovereign land. That's that's exactly what we need. Uh, Timothy Watson, the Boogaloo adherent who ran the... Uh, portable wall hanger site to sell 3d printed drop-in auto sears for ar-15s jesus christ was denied release this past week he's on trial in part because stephen carrillo purchased a product from watson's site before shooting police last summer yep 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 i'm 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 2a all the way but unregistered shit is not the way to go um two bills aimed at quote-unquote Ghost guns have passed the New York State Senate and are now awaiting committees in the New York State Assembly. Senators Anna Kaplan and Brad Hoyle, Hoyleman? Hmm. It's like gargoyle, but Hoyleman. Anyways, put forward these two bills. The first, Kaplan's would criminalize the sale of partially finished receivers. The second, Holloman's would require gunsmiths to register and serialize any components they make and it would ban any individual who isn't a licensed gunsmith from assembling a firearm themselves 
I am not 100% sure if we should have licensed gunsmiths, but at least having parts registered is a is something that I can agree with. Because like tracking components and tracking weapons in their hands, I think is really important. But having designated gunsmiths, um, again, I think is eventually just going to uh, only benefit rich people who can afford gunsmiths for certain guns. And poor people are then just going to have to deal with the shitty World War II replicas that they you know, pull out of the junkyard for recycling. Um, not sure how I feel all about all of that, but you know, more registry and tracking is not a bad thing in my book. What is this? Cupates, the GOP, and other points of selective ignorance. Are we calling QAnon Patriot? Oh no, it's supposed to be Q updates. Okay, I was like, are we calling them like QAnon Patriots, Cupates? I don't know. Anyways, the next period of time of note for QAnon adherence is the 4th of March, during which some holdouts believe that Donald Trump will be inaugurated. By who and how, I have no idea why. It is unclear what will happen when he isn't. Sarasota County Sheriff Kurt Hoffman was revealed to have posed with a QAnon adherent during his campaign. The photo is undeniably of him posing with a Q fanatic, but he claims that he didn't know she was promoting a conspiracy theory because he claims he was unfamiliar. Just like, you know, Trump did every time they asked him if he was familiar with QAnon, even though his FBI was, you know, well aware of their presence in the United States and their possibility of domestic terrorism. Trump kept professing the idea that he has no idea who these people who worship him as the second coming of Jesus Christ to eliminate the Democratic Party uh, he just was completely unfamiliar and unaware of any of this going on, which is very interesting. Uh, the three percenters branded truck parked at the Capitol on the 6th of January was revealed to belong to the husband of Representative Mary Miller. Oh, yay. Her husband, Chris Miller, claimed not to know anything about the militia group whose logo he had on his truck. Of course you don't. Representative Miller quoted Hitler approvingly the day before the Capitol storming, for which she has now apologized. All right, let's keep an eye on the Miller family. That's a little too close to home. She's already a, a representative, so that's uh, that's scary. Um, oh, speaking of scary representatives, Lauren Boebert posed with an extremely cursed Zoom background for her first meeting for the National Resources Committee, wherein she took the opportunity to discuss gun safety while her unsafe gun display uh, dominated her screen. Bobert has several children in her home, a fact that is even more worrying given that she has corrected people on Twitter to say the guns were loaded. Yeah. Yeah, and I think I already covered that she, she she's a publicity candidate. She she has zero policy to stand on and only culture war to push. And so um, that's somewhere in these episodes, and I'm not going to divulge myself any further in that woman at this time. On... So they got further readings um, that I may or may not suggest. Who knows? But on here, we have on the more than 200 evangelical Christians denouncing Christian nationalism for its role in the Capitol riot. Sweet. Only 200, though. Not sweet. Um, on the Patriot Party and their 12,000 member strong Facebook group and a Proud Boys quest to raise awareness for the party. Ah. <sighs> Yep, and that's coming from W-E-N-Y. Yeah, even in the CNN video, Enrique Tario is talking about running for some sort of position alongside Dave Rubin. He's not part of any militia, but he's a propagandist right-winger, and 
Candace Owens and Steven Crowder. Like, I can't imagine when we're going to have literally nothing but propagandists and mili- uh, like vigilante militias as Republican senators. It's that's really going to be a parody at some point. Um, and then they have preppers for Boogaloo and Q adherents still pushing products on Amazon. So cool. That comes from the Seattle Times. That's good that Boogaloo and Q adherents are still making money off of Amazon.com, but that's that's what you get when they sell third party. But to you know, kind of shake off all of that, uh, we're we're just gonna get into the Dr. Seuss stuff. I I want to hear. I heard a little bit of what Tucker says about Dr. Seuss, but for fuck's sake, Ben, you you wasted nine minutes of people's lives on this Dr. Seuss six books no longer being produced. And like the entire day he was tweeting about how there's a digital book burning going on. And my mind is just boggled on how you could burn something that is immaterial. And also like you can't burn it if it's digital that in the brain, the the brain there is just non-existent if you think there's a digital book burning going on. All right. All right. Shake it off. Breathe in. Breathe out. Toxic time. Everybody is on the cancellation block. And if you don't cancel, the, the, the best path to joining the woke, by the way, is to cancel yourself preemptively. And this is precisely what is happening to Dr. Seuss. So... Dr. Seuss Dr. Is Seuss's books canceling himself preemptively. That's some grade A journalism because that's literally news to me. Our classics of children's literature. He's the greatest children's author for kids who are under the age of seven of all time. It is not close. I read. He's great. He's great. But you could also read Roald Dahl and be fine. You know, he's great. And, you know, Roald Dahl is probably a little bit like slightly older once you get like five or six but like i don't know if if you yeah you know, dr seuss is great but there's other authors out there we don't need to die on this hill ben dr seuss books to my kids pretty much every day okay but according oh, to a virginia school district does he now dr seuss's birthday can no longer be touted on read across america day because a study said the author's work is quote filled with orientalism anti-blackness and white supremacy now I grew up reading Dr. Seuss books. I don't think that framing was necessarily it. Um, reading Across America didn't want to just continue the Dr. Seuss being the highlight of of the whole thing. It's still going to happen on his birthday, and I'm sure there might be some message. But building it on like the Dr. Seuss Across America is just they're they're toning down the Dr. Seussness, and I guess that's a level of canceling as well. Um, so that it's it, the framing of it is isn't quite on point there. You grew up reading Dr. Seuss books. Everybody grew up reading Dr. Seuss books. Did it make you more racist to read a Dr. Seuss book? Did every And to be honest, too, when I first saw the headline, I was a little bit shocked because, like, when I looked at my memory of reading Dr. Seuss books, I didn't think of race for a single second. Like, most of its most of Dr. Seuss's books don't even have human characters. Um, but then there were the political cartoons. And then there there was those that he made separately. So um, those aren't in his books. That's why, you know, 33 of his books aren't being um, cut from production. Did it even occur to you that race was an element of Dr. Seuss books until I just said this one second ago? Of course not. Because no one, no one is actually outraged about this. There is no... Well, and that's the thing, too, is that when we read Dr. Seuss's books as a kid, nobody was like, well, you should check out his political cartoons as well if you're really into one fish, two fish, 
redfish, bluefish. Nobody did that. I was completely unaware of his political cartoons, and I wonder if Ben's even going to bring him up. There are no human beings who read Dr. Seuss books and are actually angry at them. All of this is just about signaling. It is about setting new standards, hoops for people to jump through. And if you ask for any sort of context that provides whether the book is racist, whether it is whether it is racist for to read if I ran the zoo. I mean, to be perfectly honest, too, like I've heard audiobooks of Ben Shapiro's True Allegiance, and that one book is way more racist than the 33 other books that Dr. Seuss put out. I think it might even be more racist than the ones that they're pulling from production. Like that book is incredibly racist. Because there are people of Asiatic. And it, it's because of the caricatures that Ben portrays when he represents marginalized or minority people in his books. Like it's, it's very bad. It's, he looks about at the black community, the black power movement and Muslims horribly in that book. Appearance in the book, if I ran the zoo, if you even ask that, that in a, even the question is racist. If you say, okay, well, you know, he drew that in 1940. And let's just say that it was insensitive in 1940. Has any child read this in the last 20, 30, 40 years? And come so even more reason to pull it out of production, Ben. If nobody's read the book for 20 to 40 years, even more reason to who gives a fuck if it's pulled off the shelves. Way with a bad impression of people from Japan because they read a Dr. Seuss book? To ask that question is to be the problem because now you are asking for evidence of a claim that is by nature a claim that is rooted solely in feelings. So how did the Dr. Seuss Foundation respond to this? Not by defending their Racism is solely deduced into feelings, Ben. Like, racism comes from a feeling of intolerance and unacceptance of your own inferiority. Of course not. Instead, the the official organization that controls the legacy of Dr. Seuss said it will no longer sell six of the author's children's books over Dear racist God. and insensitive depictions, including Six his books. very first major book, and to think that I saw it on Mulberry Street. I can't even remember what is supposed to be racist and to think that I saw it on Mulberry Street. If I ran the zoo and- Does that mean like it's been a long time since he's read that book to his kids? Because if he reads Dr. Seuss to his kids almost every day, then he must know of the specific caricatures of Mulberry Street. He must be well aware of that, but if he can't really remember, why is he frustrated that six out of 39 are being pulled off of a shelf when he can't remember any of their context or story or characters? None of us can, so thus none of us should care. And this is a terrible segment to waste everybody's time on, even mine, and pointless to be doing this podcast but i have to rave at how pointless this whole thing was made just to feel everybody get mad at cancel culture mcgilligan's pool by the way i own all of them you should buy them today they're great for your kids yeah it's really funny how like once like uh something you know in in the in the realm of this so-called cancel culture as soon as something is canceled republicans like immediately go to its side and just pour their fucking money in it in spite to own the libs it's it's hilarious it is hilarious the, the notion that this is that he perpetuated jewish stereotypes as financially stingy and he and that, that all of this appears in his books the study, published in 2019, examined 50 books by Dr. Seuss, found 43 out of the 45 characters of color have, quote, characteristics aligning with the definition of Orientalism. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. It's just, it's all insanity, but again, 
to to call for a uh his political cartoon on the japanese internment camps i'm not going to show on this podcast that's something you got to look up that one's pretty offensive and xenophobic like he uh was way too okay with taking japanese uh, civil rights away and locking them uh for the sake of our own national security an end to the insanity is to excise yourself from the community of the new ruling class and that is what all of this is about in the end the true ruling class does not give a fuck about what happens to Dr. Seuss's books. They do not care. You know, you, you want to know why? It barely affects the bottom line. It barely f affects the power structure at B. They could give two little fucks about what we do with Dr. Seuss books. There's only one way to fight back against people who have declared themselves to but be at the ben top of the ruling class. But Ben wants you to fight back. And that's to say, you don't get to rule us. End of story. We ignore you, you're stupid, and we're not paying attention to any of this nonsense ever, ever again. Right-wingers are now going to go on eBay and pay way too much for those, like, racist six books. And they're not even, like, the the few examples I'd seen aren't even that racist. They are just caricatures that are, you know, emblematic of the time that we really just put stereotypes into all of our media during the 1940s. Um, but it's just hilarious to think now that since those are out of production, like right-wingers are going to look for those books. There's going to be a higher demand for those books and people are going to make stupid money off of them because they're so eager to get this, this own on the libs. But here's the thing. The Biden administration is bought into this stuff hook, line, and sinker. So here's the thing. The Biden administration, being members of the new ruling class, and Joe Biden, being an old, white, corrupt politician, has decided that he, he, he speaks the vocabulary, too. And it's very important that he speak the vocabulary. Because what the left <laughs> has basically done is they've decided that by banding together identity politics and socialistic thinking, they can craft enough of a working majority to cram through their actual political agenda. And I mean, I had to talk about this. Joe Biden doesn't represent anything near socialism, like he just said. Um, but... When uh, PragerU just came out with their video, my last episode, with identity socialism, thinking that we have like this division going on to to socialize the, the government, it made absolutely no sense. But the thing is that in order for the working class to um, effectively overthrow the power structure of the bourgeois and actually uh, seize the means of production, you're going to have to have every member of the working class. If you divide that up by race, you're just going to continue fighting each other rather than focusing on the actual powers that keep on oppressing you at it at the level we're talking so um i guess joe biden is speaking that woke vocabulary but i would say he's probably pandering um because this is a huge liberal effect mostly on his voters uh base that seems to like really think that this is a, an important deal alongside the conservatives who think this is important for the culture war and it's just like it's so meaningless it, it this is definitely the most meaningless information to put into people's brains who you think should be politically engaged right and to go back to the original thesis of today's show it's all about politics it is all about power and getting things done it's about the authoritarian cram down of certain policies basically there are a bunch of people who don't really buy into the vocabulary who have decided they're going to make common cause with people who do buy into the vocabulary and a bunch of people who actually believe in the inequity is inequality argument? Um, I think that's because they agree on a baseline common value. Like if that just sounds like they agree with each other. So that sounds like a coalition. That's that's what happens when you agree with other people who have decided that they will make common cause 
with the socialistic wing of the Democratic Party in order. <laughs> and, and then there's that conflation, which just isn't true. It's just not true. There's absolutely no socialist movement going on with canceling six of Dr. Seuss's books. To cobble together a new <laughs> coalition of the ascendant. You can see this actually pretty well. In like, how are, how do you live such a hyperbolic life that you take everything that happens on a left-wing spectrum, even slightly, as like, holy shit, socialism's a massive wave coming to steal all my wealth. Bernie Sanders. If you look back at Bernie Sanders' original presidential campaign in 2016, he didn't speak about race nearly at all. It was all about how all the problems in our society can be laid at the root of the capitalistic system, and if you just get more socialists, it solves everything. Then, over the course of the next... He did discuss uh, race, but he mostly focused it in on the uh, prison system and also the uh, terrible criminal laws that have been putting away uh, disproportionately mostly black individuals. So uh, Bernie Sanders did did do that, and he met with Killer Mike to talk those issues multiple times, both in 2016 and 2020. So straight up lying. Cool. The next few years, something interesting happened to the Bernie Sanders campaign. He was told that it was not racially sensitive to speak only in terms of class. Now, Bernie Sanders is basically a commie, right? I mean, his, his perspective on life is rooted in Marxist fundamental lies about... No, no, uh, Bernie Sanders isn't a commie. Um, somebody who wants to reform the government with the structures that it already has, that's democratic socialism. That's using reform. A commie wants to just burn everything and build a, a, a phoenix out of the ashes. So Bernie Sanders isn't even close. A class conflict and how all of human... Life is driven by this class conflict. Everything he says is driven by that. And so if you believe that everything at root is about class conflict, it's not at root about racial conflict, right? The black working man and the white Yeah, but the thing is that, like, Ben Shapiro is making the idea that class only means your uh, money. There's only the, the high class or the, the bourgeois class, the proletariat class. Uh, the proletariat, unfortunately, fits in everybody who's being oppressed. So a uh, black person is a class, white person is a class, uh, transgendered is a class, cisgendered is a class. These are all classes. Uh, class isn't just rooted only in your uh, income status. Your, your class is a very wide spectrum of things. But that's, of course, something that Ben wouldn't seem to understand is because he denies intersectionality. He thinks even that has mostly to do with race and highlighting that the white man is bad. Working man have more in common than the white working man and the, and the white rich man or the black working man and the black rich man. It's about class. It's not about race. But Bernie Sanders was told that this was racially insensitive. And so he decided Wait, to make common cause and the racial conflict, right? The black working man and the white working man have more in common than the white working man and the and the white rich man or the black working. They do. They, they genuinely do. And it's because most of them live closer to similar lives. They're even more likely to go to the same church. It's much more less likely of a really poor black man to go to the same church as a really rich black man. It just it really depends on the area that you're living in or where the rich man is willing to travel to go to church and vice versa. But in more likelihood if they're not going to an all-black church they're more likely to go into a church that has someone of their working class values they weird that's that's a weird thing to think that they, they they do have more in common yes man and the black rich man it's about class it's not about race but bernie sanders was told that this was racially insensitive and so he decided to make common cause with the woke and start pushing as many woke policies as he could get his hands on and this was writ small what has happened with the democratic party writ large this was the magic of Barack Obama, right? This is what Obama did as president. I know that we have this picture of Barack Obama as though Barack Obama was this wonderful unifying figure. That is a figure put forth by the media. It is a lie. 
Barack Obama of 2004 was not the same as Barack Obama circa 2010. In 2004, Barack Obama was saying there are no black Americans. There are no white Americans. We're all just Americans. There's no red America, no blue America, just America. By 2010, Barack Obama was breaking down Americans into their identity groups so that he could specifically appeal to members of those identity groups to create a coalition. This is the reason why he actually shrank his number of votes between 2008 and 2012, but it was enough to get him by Mitt Romney. I guess, but that that he actually really provides absolutely no evidence of Obama dividing everybody up by racial class. Like he 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 could have had at least like one policy that would have proved this, but he didn't. He didn't. The only thing he used was his election numbers, and that that's not very like really indicative of the policies that Obama or stances that Obama took. Um, that's that's more of a a culture shift and influence shift. A bit more thought has to be put into that one, Ben. So the, the merger between identity politics and typical sort of Democratic Party politics has been ongoing, and Joe Biden is the culmination of that, which is how you end up with a machine politician like Joe Biden, and that's what he is, a sort of machine, typical, corrupt old white politician who has suddenly become the face and voice of the racial reparations movement. Course- He's really not. I don't even know where Ben's getting any of these ideas Um no, Joe Biden still hasn't even met with most leaders of Black Lives Matter to discuss the uh, last summer. I mean, six weeks in and Joe Biden really hasn't done much for actual uh, racial justice issues. So um, I'm just going to have to go with an easy no on that one. According to one of Joe Biden's top advisors, he is going to start acting now to address reparations to black Americans. Speaking to Axios on HBO in an interview set to air on Monday, White House senior advisor Cedric Richmond discussed efforts targeted to helping minority communities. Richmond said they're not waiting on Congress. He said, we don't want to wait on a study. We're going to start acting now. We have to start breaking down systemic racism and barriers that have held people of color back, and especially African-Americans. We have to do that stuff now, right? That's the vocabulary. Yeah, they're, they're, they're going to study so that they can figure out what to do policy-wise. That doesn't necessarily mean they're going to start handing out checks to all black people as reparations. That doesn't mean anything policy-wise. He's just interested in the reparations policy or idea. That doesn't mean they're actually going to follow through any of it with it. He's saying that they're going to start a study, which isn't anything that you need congressional approval for. You need congressional approval if you're actually going to move money, Ben. And we're going to specifically appeal on the basis of race and suggest that all inequality is inequity. And Joe Biden has decided that equity is the byword of his administration. Inequity and inequality are synonyms. Like, you're, you're trying to play with the non-contradiction rule, but they aren't contradictions, they're synonyms. So, for example, he says that we are going to start talking about free college tuition to historically black colleges and universities. If you start talking about free community college in Title I and all these things, I think you're well on your way. Now, let's be real about this. If you're talking about free college, the community reality college. is that the great imbalance in our society is the number of people going to college between people who are black and white. The number of people who are white going to college by percentage is significantly higher. The number of people going to college who are black. That's not. So you don't think that if like community bent, you don't think that if community college was free, that lower income families, predominantly black, would be able to get college and their numbers would then increase of the amount of people in their ethnicity group that go to college? How are you arguing that we shouldn't have free college because white people already go to college more? That's because it costs money. Ben. Not because of lack of affirmative action programs or benefits programs or scholarship programs. All of those exist in plenty, right? The real problem is the failure of lower education. 
the failure of the public school system. So what is this? It's a typical democratic policy smuggled in under the guise of the vocabulary. No, no, because most kids that don't get a scholarship in the lower income can't afford to go to school. No, I'm not. I'm not accepting that. Typical democratic policy position that is now being smuggled in under the guise of doing racial justice. You call it reparations, and then you can push forward the idea that you are speaking the vocabulary and you can build your coalition on the back of all of this. Well, I mean, that's kind of true. That's probably the closest thing that I'd agree to Ben with is that, uh, you know, Biden's rhetoric is more likely to just speak to the progressive left and not actually produce any material wealth to him whatsoever. So I, I probably I don't want it to be that way, but probably. And so this is the new pitch. This is the Biden administration pitch. Use the word equity to cram down all of the typical Democratic policy proposals and claim that anybody who disagrees with you is a racist. Because here's the thing, Joe Biden can't claim that anybody who disagrees with him is a racist. It's bizarre. That dude is whiter than the back of this piece of paper I'm holding up right now. He's never claimed that. I mean, that. in a whiteness competition, I come in a distant second to Joe Biden. It is not close. Joe Biden is a super white dude. And yet, because he's using the language of quote-unquote equity and the language of anti-racism to push forward typical policy proposals, the idea becomes now that it is white supremacy to oppose Joe Biden's policy positions, an old white politician, one of the whitest people in America. And so that gives him enormous ability to push forward these positions while calling all of his opponents racist, which is, again, bizarre. Barack Obama could do it because he could just say people who hate me are racist. And while it was a lie, he could at least pretend it was true because obviously at least the, the factual basis of him being a black person was right. Joe Biden, not a black person, still making the same exact claims. So when you merge the democratic coalitional ideal with the racial ideal, and all of it becomes about those systems of power, right? not about fact, not about the success of the policies, about the systems of power, you can get away with nearly anything, and Joe Biden knows this. Facts don't care about your feelings, and it's a fact that the bench- Not really, but unfortunately, I have already been seeing a lot of like, uh, le like liberals on Twitter giving Joe Biden's administration way too many passes already. Um, but just because he speaks the woke language doesn't mean that the progressive left isn't going to hold him, hold him accountable. But let's let's just pretend that Ben's Ben's right. That way we can move on to the 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 next rightest of the right, Tucker Carlson. Almost four years ago on this show, we talked to a former Georgia state representative called LaDawn Jones about Black Lives Matter. Jones is a strong supporter of BLM, so not surprisingly, she was well-practiced in the now highly familiar tactic of denouncing everything she doesn't like as racist, and we knew that going into the interview. What was surprising was to hear LaDawn Jones go after the beloved children's book author, Dr. Seuss. She called Dr. Seuss a bigot. Here's the exchange from 2017. I actually had to, once I heard the story, pull out our Dr. Seuss books that are on my children's bookshelf and take a closer look at them so I can see exactly what it was that was the complaint. And as is normal well, what was for it? many what, of us. What, what was it? I mean, actually, I've been obviously speaking tongue-in-cheek because this is, like, literally demented. But since you said that you checked Dr. Seuss for racism, what did you find? Where were the racist parts? So you look at many of the drawings and you have to put it in the context of the times that many of these books were, were written. And you can see that there are some very stereotypical drawings of Asian Americans. Um, Dr. Seuss was known for some very stereotypical blackface drawings prior to the books that most of us are familiar with. Yeah, she's mostly talking about the books before, you know, all the famous ones that we've read 20 to 50 times. But I also just want to highlight a memory that I had is that Ben didn't bring up the political cartoons not once. Not once. So let's see if uh, Tucker Carlson can do it. 
Now, at the time, what you just heard seemed incomprehensible. In fact, as we know, and I also want to highlight too because his segment started out as Dr. Seuss was not racist. Um, Dr. Seuss's daughter came out with an article and said that he was not a bad man and that he evolved over time, which I completely understand some people start out racist and eventually figure out oh man that's coming from a place of uh misunderstanding and intolerance my bad i will promise to do better forward that is something that happens but ignoring that isn't gonna help the argument here tucker kind of demented say what you will about dr seuss maybe you think his drawings are primitive maybe some of his dog rule doesn't actually rhyme fair but Dr. Seuss was not a racist. Dr. Seuss was a preachy liberal. He was an evangelist against bigotry. He wrote an We really need to talk about his political uh, comics if we're going to be honest about this conversation, which it doesn't seem like we're going to be because, yes, he did have very inclusive books like uh, Who Hears a Hort uh, or Horton Hears a Who, and then the environmentalist book, The Lorax, and um, the other inclusive book, The Sneetches, but like, can't ignore the other works, can't ignore the other works, and we shouldn't if we're going to have this discussion properly of people who originally had racist um, stereotypes or biases within them who eventually overcame them for the betterment of themselves and humans as a greater whole. Entire shelf of books against racism and not in a subtle way. They were clearly explicitly against racism. That was the whole point of writing them to teach children not to be racist. Now, as it happens, today is Dr. Seuss's birthday. Born Ted Geisel in Springfield, Massachusetts, he would be 117 years old were he alive today. And thank God he isn't, because he would be wounded and confused. We don't know for sure if Dr. Seuss would be wounded and confused. We actually might actually get like a, a, um, a public statement of his, you know, growth that his daughter unfortunately had to do on his behalf. But um, that's a situation of you have a somewhat bigoted past. You have anything to say about it now. Some people take the advantage of going, no, I regret nothing. And other people say, yes, that was a, a different time then. It was the 1940s and we all thought we were better than everyone else. Every year on Dr. Seuss's birthday, the president, whomever he is at the time, makes a proclamation in support of something called Read Across America Day. That's designed to encourage kids to read books. And every year, the president mentions Dr. Seuss because, again, it's his birthday. That's the whole point of it. But not this year. Joe Biden omitted Dr. Seuss from this year's proclamation. Why? Because Dr. Seuss is now considered a racist. Well, also because Reading Across America didn't want to keep dr seuss as the highlight figure of their um their event their annual event but um yeah i don't think uh biden really had anything to do with it so what seemed like total lunacy less than four years ago is now the official position of the white house it was total lunacy to tucker like he's he told that lady to her face that what she was doing was demented which um I don't agree. Like, if she really feels that Dr. Seuss was that racist, she's welcome to get rid of her books and donate them or um, make a good, uh, hearty fire out of them. But um, if you also take the time to read the rest of his work and f realize these ones actually have positive messages, then it's up to you and your personal responsibility of whether or not you want to read those to your kids. Now, the shocking thing about this is not that it happened. Academic revolutionaries have been attacking traditional children's books for decades. 
A few years ago, some moron at Boston University produced so-called research on Curious George's undercurrent of white dominance. Quote, the series' celebration of the oppression of an abducted monkey parallels the oppression of black Americans. And so on. You won't be surprised to learn that that girl now works for Bill de I mean, kinda. Um, I, I think that might be a a hyperbolic stance on Curious George, but I guess you could have that reading out of it. Um, I think King Kong is much more obvious. Um, King Kong's a much more obvious analogy to that specific accusation she's putting on Curious George, but I, I could, I guess I could see it. I feel like you have to have your own kind of biases to get that because when I was a child, I didn't, I, I didn't equate that whatsoever. Blasio in New York. Of course she does. What's surprising... I don't even think I remember where Curious George is actually from. Does he have, like, an, an origin story? ...is how calculated all this is. Now, conservatives will be tempted to chalk up the attacks on Dr. Seuss to the usual cancel culture gone mad. Look how hysterical and stupid the professional left is. They're even calling Dr. Seuss racist. And you've seen people say that on social media today. But it's totally missing the point. Canceling Dr. Seuss isn't... Well, uh, Curious George apparently is from Africa, which is kind of racist because it doesn't say which country. <laughs> um, let's see. Uh, the man with the yellow hat. They are best friends and they live together in the city and the country. The names these areas have not been disclosed. Um... Apparently, George was originally called Zozo in 1941, so. Apparently, to avoid using the name of the King George VI for an ape. Um, like, where is he from, though? It just said Africa, which is um, pretty basic. So that's real basic right there. Yeah, it just says that he was living in Africa. Well, I guess you can that that analogy gets a little bit stronger now that it says he's just from Africa and not necessarily any specific country or city. So a little bit, a little bit stupid. It's intentional. They're banning Dr. Seuss not because he was a racist, but precisely because he wasn't. It They're not canceling Dr. Seuss. Like again. This isn't a canceling thing. This is pulling books off with uh, an unfortunate caricatures and stereotypes from the time. Like, and it's in a lot of our media. That's why the Muppets got a disclaimer. And yet having a disclaimer is also canceling. So like any criticism is canceling. Any slight variation in editing is canceling. It's, it's, this is just like hyper exaggerated to too far of an extent to get people in this idea that they're coming for your livelihoods. It's insane. In 1961, Dr. Seuss wrote a story called The Sneetches. Which Martin isn't being canceled. March on Washington was still, still being produced. Away, but this book that he is using as an example is still in the production line. It is in the list of 33 books that are just fine of Dr. Seuss's. This isn't one of the six. So it's terrible to use it as an example. It's bad. Use the example of one of the books getting canceled and why that book should be persisted in being read to kids. This is a terrible example. Shame on you. Dr. Seuss's story captured its essence. In case you haven't already read it to your kids 50 times and know it by heart, here's the plot. There's a group of furry pear-shaped animals called Sneetches who live on what looks like a faraway planet. Now, if that sounds weird to you, be aware that Dr. Seuss rarely drew people, probably because he didn't want to elevate one kind of person over any other kind of person. He wasn't a 
And then yet again, you should go see his political cartoon on the internment camps of Japanese because that that cartoon specifically uh, argues against what Tucker just said. <laughs> that one definitely says Japanese people are not as good as white Americans. That one's very clear on that point. Racist. In any case, there are two groups of snitches in the story, those with star-shaped designs on their stomachs and those without. There's no real difference between the two groups, but the snitches don't know that. They're convinced that stars are all important. So they spend the entire story jockeying for position based on the relative star. Which even too, like this could have been a much better discussion of how like, yes, he was racist at a certain point in time, but eventually got over that by 1961 when he came out with the Sneetches. But that's not the intent of this fucking narrative. That is not the intent. It is merely to get you outraged in the idea of them destroying your childhood, destroying your livelihood, and destroying your Americanhood. At various points in the story, stars on the stomach are deemed socially favorable, at others, they're considered a mark of disgrace. And the Sneetches run around frantically trying to keep up with the changing demands of star fashion until they realize in the uplifting final pages of the story that none of it matters. Underneath the stars, they're all the same. They're all Sneetches. Who cares who's got a star? What matters isn't the group you come from. What matters is you. Even a five-year-old gets the point of the story. At the deepest level, it doesn't matter what we look like, because underneath it all, we're all the same. We're all human beings. We're in this together. All that outward appearance stuff is pointless. It just makes people hate each other, and it makes us look ridiculous. If there's a more powerful statement on the universal brotherhood of man, it's probably not in the children's section of the bookstore. For 60 years, American children have read the Sneetches and books like it. And that's one of the reasons we have the country we have today in which most Americans, those who don't work at the universities or for the Joe Biden administration, accept Martin Luther King's most famous precept, that what matters is the content of our characters, not the color of our skins. The Sneetches affirm... They always use this quote from Martin Luther King, but they never really finish it. So um, Martin Luther also said, I don't think we can ignore race. That's not what he was saying is that well, we're all just going to ignore race. What my father is asking is to create the climate where every American can realize his or her dreams. Now, what does that mean when you have 50 million people living in poverty? When he talked about the beloved community, he talked about everyone bringing their gifts, their talents, their cultural experiences. We live in a society where we may have differences, of course, but we learn to celebrate these differences, not merely ignoring them, Tucker Firm this. The story is a plea for colorblindness. And yep. that's why it's a plea for colorblindness. It's a plea for colorblindness. Not just the accepting of differences, but a plea of you just being ignorant. Hate it. It's a deep Seuss. reading of Dr. Seuss. When the people in charge cancel Dr. Seuss, what they're really trying to eliminate is a very specific kind of mid-century American culture. What did I tell you? What what did I tell you? What did I tell you? It's not about the six books that misrepresent caricatures and stereotypes. No, it's about your livelihood, damn it. Your nuclear family, your white picket fence. They're coming for it. Those damn socialists. A culture that championed meritocracy and colorblindness and the superiority of individual achievement over tribal identity. These were once called liberal values. Modern liberals don't want to be reminded that they once believed any of this. 
if your kids are allowed to read Dr. Seuss, they will know this was a different country not so long ago, a place where people tried hard not to hate each other, a place where the population was encouraged, begged by its leaders to reject identity politics in favor of universal values and the things that connect us all. Dr. Seuss was never a major That's funny that he's figure, also his... ignoring that during that same time, like, black people and women were fighting for their rights. So, like, it wasn't a very perfect nation back then either, Tucker, and not everybody was on their side. It was an incredibly difficult battle to get there. Memory matters more than it ever has. The battle over Dr. Seuss, what he stood for, the battle over what it means to be racist, will have consequences that extend for generations. And if we lose that battle, America is lost. See, and then he finishes it up. If we if we can't convince people that Dr. Seuss was never racist, then America is lost. Cool. Even though Dr. Seuss could have been a great story of someone who overcame their racism, much like America still struggles to do today. We're just going to put away that deeper meaning just to say if we change the memory of Dr. Seuss whatsoever, we also destroy the memory of America. And that has been Tox News. Thank you for joining me. Oh, don't hate me too much. Uh, follow me on Twitter, ToxinPod, T-O-X-N-P-O-D. Uh, the YouTube channel's in the description because I found out I am not searchable in YouTube because of Fox News and my name being way too similar to it. But hopefully someday with enough viewership and likes and uh, all of that, my name will come up right next to theirs, and that will be so delicious. But that's it. That's it. Um, go read a good Dr. Seuss book and tell them that he's fine he's fine he's he's not canceled he overcame he grew as a human being and we just don't need to read the six books that we don't read already cool let's get to some more serious matters next episode thanks